Hey, thank you for listening to the City Life Church podcast. We are leading people to become fully alive in Jesus. We're a church in San Francisco, and we're praying that this word will encourage you, challenge you, and help you grow in your faith journey. So we're kicking off this series. For the next several weeks, we're going to have a variety of different uh, communicators helping us. Next week, we actually have Pastor Tyrone Jones Jr. coming from Yuma, Arizona. He's going to be preaching at our Youth United service this Friday night. we got a bunch of youth groups from San Francisco. Pastor David and Aaron holding it down. The house is going to be full. Let's tell Pastor David and Aaron how much we love and appreciate our youth. Love you, love you. So they'll be having a youth service here. It's going to be fun. And then Pastor Tyrone will preach on Sunday. It's going to be outstanding. And then we're going to continue all the way up until Mother's Day on this team, on this theme, learning how to deal with anxiety. And so here's the key verse. I love for you to memorize this verse. It's easy, y'all. It's just one line. Are you ready? And 1 Peter chapter 5 is going to pop on the screen behind me. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Could you read it out loud with me? It says this. Give Now, now's a great little warm-up, right? Now that you got a little dry run, let's do it again with a little more umph and passion. You ready? Real loud. Let's go. Ready? One, two, three. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Woo! Give yourself a hand right there. Good job. Emily, well done. Good job. I like the NIV version. It says this, cast your cares upon him. In other words, dump it all on him. Why? Because he cares for you. God actually cares about our struggles. He cares when you're watching the Warriors up by 10 in the third quarter and in the fourth quarter, what happened? He still cares about you and how you feel. Amen? So let me kind of interact with this just a little bit today. I need some crowd participation today. How many of you enjoy traveling? Let me see your hands. How many of you guys don't like to travel? You like to stay home? Matthias, a couple of y'all. All right, a few of you. How many of you enjoy traveling by plane? You like flying? Fly like an eagle. You like flying. How many of you guys would would like to to travel, but you don't like to fly? Just be honest. Like Madden, didn't like to fly a whole lot. All right, some of us don't like to fly. If you fly regularly, you probably would know this, that if if you're taking a domestic flight, the airline company will tell you that you need to get there how far in advance? No, domestic, one hour in advance. But if you're flying internationally, at least two hours, right? So if you're flying like to Asia or something like, hey, show up two, maybe three hours in in advance just to make sure you get through all of the immigration stuff, the luggage, the whole nine. If you're flying domestically, maybe just one hour. But even though they only recommend one hour in advance, how many of you like to play it safe and show up two hours early? Let me see some hands. True? How many of you hate coming too early to the airport? It's like, man, why wait at the gate if I could be waiting at home? You know what I'm saying? But how many of you are kind of like me, where like getting an hour early, like, nah, I like, I like to live on the edge just a little bit. How about 45 minutes before the flight? Anybody else kind of like me? A few crazy people here, right? My wife, when I do that to her, she starts sweating. It's a cold sweat. She's sweet. And we've been married now for almost 27 years, so we've kind of learned how to kind of coexist together that way. But in the first few times, the first few years of travel, like, man, she would stress out. And then eventually she's kind of like, you know what? God's going to help us one way or the other. John, John, you're way too favored by God. We're going to be all right. 
I like kind of pushing the envelope, envelope just a little bit and living on the edge. Every now and then, though, it's kind of like, oh, dang, I get to SFO. I'm like, even with the clear pass and TSA pre-check, I get there and the line is like, ooh. And then I think, maybe after 27 years, it's finally happened. I'm going to miss the flight. And then I pray in tongues, and then I still make it on the flight. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Telling us that we all have different preferences in life, and we all experience anxiety and pressure in different ways. Some of us, we preemptively, we take care of things so that we don't have to go through those anxious moments. So we get there three hours early, and we're exhausted, but at least we made it on the flight. I get you. Some of us, we stress ourselves out. We stress other people around us out. And anxiety is a real, a real issue. It happens to all of us, right? Now, that's a little more of the comical side. Um, but there are some real sad, tragic times and seasons that people navigate when they're under a lot of pressure. Lynette would be one of them. Going through what she went through for months, extended periods of times, we're like, is Katie going to make it through this? Is she going to come out of that coma? Is she going to live a normal life? The worries, the anxieties are absolutely crushing. They're overwhelming. It was back in 2011, going into 2012. My wife and I, our family, we were transitioning. We had been serving a wonderful church in the East Bay. We, we served there for 16 years. Loved every minute of it. Traveled the world, led youth ministries. and I mean, it was just awesome. The Lord had called us to come and plant a church in San Francisco. So the transition began, and there was this excitement of the new that was to come, a new season, a new place, hopefully a new house someplace, um, a new building. I mean, there were so many new opportunities. It's like, man, that adventurous part of me was like, yes, living on the edge, can't wait. But then also the transition of leaving a community that we had loved and served for so long, and all the unique challenges that started coming with it, and all the emotional pressure. Some people, to be honest with you, some people were just like, they had walked with us as friends for years. And as we were being obedient to the call of God, it's not that we were betraying anybody. We were just trying to be obedient to what the Lord was leading. Friends turned on us. Emotionally, it's like, man, and that was crushing. That was overwhelming. Like, man, I'm just trying to be faithful. I still love you. We don't have to be enemies. We're on the same team. And I found myself, I'm, I'm just telling you, brutally honest, even though I'm an optimistic, faith-filled kind of a person, I found myself dipping into a very dark place. And I wasn't quite aware of how dark it was. And then it would be early in January of 2012. I remember I'm, I'm exhausted, I'm overwhelmed, I'm frustrated, I'm excited, faith-filled, but really disappointed and just sad, but also rejoicing. I have all these weird emotions going on on the inside of me. I'm a number three on the Enneagram, which means we're labeled as people who aren't in touch with our emotions. So I wasn't fully aware of everything that was going on on the inside of me, but something wasn't fully right. And then the symptoms where it became very evident was when all of a sudden I'm driving on Clayton Road in Concord, California, headed to a business meeting. And as I'm driving my car, all of a sudden my left side Though my, both of my eyes could still see, the left side, my peripheral vision on the left side just went black. And I couldn't see a thing. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Man, do I got boogers in my eyes? What's going on? And I'm like, and I'm driving and I'm startled. I'm like, whoa, I'm losing my vision as I'm driving. What's going on? And for the next 10 or 12 minutes driving, I'm like, I, I should have pulled over. <laughs> I'm like, man, I'm confused. I can still see. So I'm driving like this. 
looking to my right because I can kind of still see, but it didn't matter where my head was pointed. I still couldn't see the left side. Really strange. I get to the meeting, things are better, and we start talking, and then I'm, I'm reviewing some budget stuff, and all of a sudden, halfway through this report, woof, my vision goes black again. And I'm like, what is going on? I'm still in my mid, late 30s. I'm pretty young still, and what is the deal? For the next several days, I'm having these episodes, and it's just like, man, finally my wife, you know, I, I listen to three voices these days. Back then, there was only two, the Holy Spirit and Elena. Now I got Holy Spirit, Elena, and Siri. But back then... God was speaking through his servant, Elena. She says, maybe you should go and just get a checkup. Just go to the doctors. And I hate going to the doctors, y'all. And I love our medical community. I love you, Lauren, if you're watching. I love you, love you, love you, love you. Love you all. You're amazing. <laughs> I hate getting to the airport early, and I just don't like going to the ER or the doctors. But all that being said, I finally go. I cave in, and I go. And they run all these different exams. And again, my emotions, I'm excited, I'm planning, I'm prayerful, I'm considering the future, but I'm living in the present. And, and, and now I got this happening, like, geez, ain't nobody got time for this. There's no time to be sick right now. There's no time to have these physical conditions. Darn it, what am I doing here? They run all these different exams. I'm not even going to pretend to tell you what the diagnosis was. I'm, think, I'm thinking, geez, my, my retina is detaching from my eyeball. That's what I'm thinking. Because I'm, I'm Googling it like, oh, geez, can someone just glue that thing back on? Like, what's going on? <laughs> Come to find out, I had some kind of condition where the doctor says, you have, you have a severe migraine. It's so severe, this migraine headache, that you probably don't feel the pain of it. Because your body, the self-defense thing actually protects you from experiencing it because your body would go in shock. But what's happening is it's causing you to lose your sight. And then I'm like, but what causes this? Like, what have I done? I'm thinking, did I play, did I play ball with my friends and somebody just slapped me on my, the back of my head or something? Like, what's going on? I wasn't playing tennis with Oak and got smacked with the ball on my head like that. But um, I'm wondering what's going on. He says, what's the cause of this? And he says, he says, sir, are you, are you into a lot of stress these days? And as soon as he said it, I realized, oh, dang. I actually really am. I'm under a lot of stress. And up until that point, I had never experienced stress or anxiety to that level. So then he gave me some, some coaching on what I needed to do and how to like breathe better and how to be a little more proactive. And in the course of a few days and a few weeks, eventually it began to level out again. Can I tell you that that season was a brutal season for us? It was exciting because we, we could see the birth of a brand new church in San Francisco. And we were so excited, but it was also a saying goodbye to the community. Our four kids were, were born in the East Bay and we're having to sell our house and leave those schools and say goodbye to some friends. And yet we're excited for the future. And then people kind of, like I said, turning on us and just talking smack and saying some dumb things. Hurt people, hurt people. And I'm having to cope with all these things and my, my, my motives being questioned. I'm like, man, I'm just trying to obey Jesus, y'all. I was in a dark place, anxious, overwhelmed, frustrated. And then what happens is that frustration then begins to spill over. So my wife and I, again, almost, almost 27 years that she's been putting up with this crazy guy right here. But that was the darkest hour of our marriage. It was a time where it's like, dude, I love you. I just don't like being around you. We need some space from one another. Like, I am just absolutely annoyed with your spunky, faith-filled personality right now. Stop. You're still cute, but my gosh, 
And, um, and just our marriage then started to struggle. And pretty soon we're having to have Zoom calls with, with counselors and therapists to say, hey, John, John, be nice. <laughs> and that's the real talk. Talk about being under those types of pressure, how it affects not just you, but then it affects the people around you, the teams that you lead, the people that you serve, the coworkers that you work alongside, of, family members, loved ones. Everyone is affected because of the pressure that you find yourself in. By the grace of God, my wife is way more spiritual than I am. She prayed my soul through hell like that, and uh, she was gracious, and the cloud began to lift, and I kind of came back to that place of health. For the most part, I, I'm not the kind of guy that will dwell in dark places very long, but it happens to all of us. Today, and in this series, we want to talk about how to navigate through hell, how to navigate through dark spaces how to navigate through difficult times when all the pressures of the world are upon us. Many of us, we internalize them. Some of us, we, we bring them out. But how do we navigate with grace? How do we stay afloat? Jesus modeled it. We talked about it last week during our Easter services. Jesus himself, perfect. He was at the garden and he was overwhelmed. His heart, his emotions were overwhelmed. And he modeled and actually gave us some of the pointers and the tips on how to navigate through anxiety, stress, and overwhelmness. So let me bring us today to um, a primary scripture, which would be in 2 Chronicles. And let me throw some stats just to kind of paint the picture real quick. One, one out of three Americans today are diagnosed with some, for, some form of anxiety disorders. One out of three. That means there's a high probability that even in this group, a good chunk of our congregation right here and those watching online, you are dealing with some form of anxiety disorder presently. When COVID hit, all of a sudden, depression, discouragement, overwhelmness, it, the numbers just went off the charts. They would say that 70% of pastors began to deal with depression. They say that 91% of Gen Zers and some of the, the young millennials, the young people, high school students, college students right now, they have, been, they have reported experiencing anxiety associated with some form of stress. 91, that's 9 out of 10 young people are experiencing some form of anxiety due to stress, which is phenomenal and intriguing because though the world has become smaller, technology, now we've got, man, we've got eye watches and information all around us. This is the most brilliant generation that has ever lived. They're the smartest young people that have ever lived this planet, yet they are the most overwhelmed overwhelmed. It's like, man, I'm trained. I have so much knowledge and information. Everything is available to me, and yet there's not a clear pathway for my success, my future. How am I going to buy a house in San Francisco someday? How are we going to raise kids? And I mean, we talk, there's all these different unique situations. It's overwhelming. And some of you are going like, it's not just happening with the young people. It's overwhelming for all of us, PJJ. <laughs> Feel you. <ya. laughs> So there are many different causes and variations of anxiety, physiological, of course, and emotional, situational, spiritual. There's different reasons why people experience anxiety and anxiousness. I'm not a pro. I'm not a doctor in this specific field. I'm a pastor. So my approach would be coming from the spiritual side. How can, how can we help you from a spiritual side to bring resolution, to bring help where, where you're at? Praise God for our medical community. Praise God for counselors. Thank God that God's given people wisdom. The Bible tells us that we've, we, we learn, 
We learn things in life and we can actually share. So praise God, if, for some folks here today, if you're, going, if you're ex, uh, experiencing extreme forms of anxiety, I, I'd encourage you, look up a counselor. We have some resources that we can share as well. Reach out to us. We'll make some connections. We have therapists in our own community. We got great uh, institutions and, and groups throughout the Bay Area that can help you. Some people, they need a, a diet change. Some, some of us need to eat better. There's different forms to, to, to adjust, right? Some of us straight up, we need a freedom retreat because the enemy sees a point of vulnerability where we're kind of tired and weak and fatigued. So then they, the enemy piles on. And then all of a sudden, it's like you got spiritual opposition and like we can, we can fight that. Some things are counseled and other things are canceled, meaning you cast those things away. Amen. So there's different approaches, and, and we, we love to partner with you and help our church community to learn how to be those that walk in, in health, mental health, emotional health, and spiritual health. But again, the disclaimer, I'm not the pro on this topic. I'm just a preacher that is trying to bring you to the Word of God, and the Word of God is what brings life and transformation to us. Amen? This is what Second Chronicles, this is the main text for today. And... Um, it tells a story of a king by the name of Jehoshaphat, who was the fourth king of the nation of Judah. Now, if you read the Old Testament a little bit, it's kind of like this nation was a special nation, but they, they jacked things up and they split. There was two nations, then Israel and Judah. He would then become the fourth uh, uh, a king of Judah, and he was actually a godly man. He was a good man. When you read the, the, the chronicles of the different kings, many of them were really, really, really messed up. They were terrible. They would bring the people to idolatry. They would turn away from God, and they would do insane things. And then God, God in his mercy would have to come and rescue them, and he'd send different leaders, etc. This guy here, though, he's good. He's a God-fearing king. He's godly. And he's doing good, and the kingdom is doing well. And then out of nowhere, he finds himself experiencing something that is absolutely overwhelming. And that's where we pick up from 2 Chronicles chapter 20, where it says, After this... The armies of the Moabites, the Ammonites, and some of the Meonites, and the Mosquito Bites, the Miller Lights, and Bud Lights. They declared war on Jehoshaphat, and messengers, they came and they told Jehoshaphat, a vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. Hey, boss, just giving you a heads up, there's an army, and it's just not just one army. There's another one. And then another one. There are three armies on the other side coming to us. We're being attacked, king. Heads up. <laughs> Jehoshaphat then was terrified by this news, and he begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. We're going to do a 21 prayer and fast campaign starting now. So people from all of the towns of Judah, they came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. Again, Life was good. King Jehoshaphat wasn't looking for trouble. He wasn't, he wasn't actually living in disobedience. Have you ever had one of those questions where you're like, God, I've been serving you. I've been honoring you with my life and my choices. I, I, I haven't been living like I used to live back in the day. God, my family, I'm, I'm bringing them to your house and, and we're worshiping you. God, I, I feel like I'm making good decisions that honor you. Why is this happening to me, God? Where did this come from? You know how there's a tendency within all of us when things go bad, all of a sudden we start like, we're like, man, we start pointing fingers. God, it's this person's fault. It's that person's fault. It's Pastor Marquis's fault, God. Why is this happening? 
Jehoshaphat, he's been doing good and out of nowhere, he didn't sign up for trouble. Trouble simply found him. And he began to sense this overwhelmness. A good guy, God-fearing guy. The definition for overwhelmness is this. It's defined as, as a feeling as feeling completely overcome in mind and emotion. Your mind just starts kind of like spinning, like, ah, I can't put two or, two, to, two or three thoughts together. My mind is just overwhelmed. My emotions are overwhelmed. When we think a stressor is too, too great for us to manage, we feel then overwhelmed. It's beyond our control. Okay, let's be honest. How many, how many of you have ever felt a little bit overwhelmed and it's like, dude, I want to be in control, but I've just lost it? Seven of us? Bunch of liars. <laughs> at some point, it's like, though we want to be in control, at some point, things are just beyond our control and we can feel overwhelmed. Prior to Elaine and I getting married, um, she worked at Red Robin. Red Robin, yum. <laughs> Look at you all. Woo. <laughs> and we were doing like this long distance dating. We're engaged, but she's up in Portland, Oregon. I'm down in the Bay Area. And, uh, and we've got a few months to, to get married. And, and uh, so, so she's working late shifts. And she, she then would tell me, like, she goes, like, I was up till three in the morning. I'm just so excited about waiting. I'm like, I know, girl. Mm -mm -mm -mm. You want this guy right here. I know it. She goes, I do too, but I'm just trying to plan the wedding. There's so many different things. So all the ladies that plan weddings, you know what I'm talking about, right? The stress leading up to it, all the different details, and it was affecting her sleep. She still looked cute, man. She was adorable and gorgeous, but man, she was stressed out. Overwhelmness when things are beyond our control. This is what Corey Ten Boom writes. I don't know if you guys know who she is. She's an author that wrote a book called The Hiding Place. For the younger generation, you may not know what I'm talking about. Look it up. Google it. Uh, the Hiding Place book. It's about this Danish lady her, her family actually, they, they hid Jews that were being persecuted and sought after by the Nazis. The Nazis were taking them all to the encampments and killing them and all that. So she's hiding. And if the Nazis would find Jews in her house, then she would have been taken. But it's a whole beautiful story. It's the hiding place, right? And um, she says this. She says, worrying is carrying tomorrow's load with today's strength. Carrying two days at once. It is moving into tomorrow ahead of time. I mean, we need grace for today's burdens. We need God's help for all the things that we have to carry today. But when we start worrying about tomorrow, it's as though you're grabbing tomorrow's heavy burdens and you're adding to today's burdens. It's absolutely overwhelming. We weren't designed to carry all that, but there's a propensity within many of us, if not all of us, to begin to allow our minds to wander into tomorrow and to think about, oh man, this is going to be so challenging. This is going to be so tough. And that self-protective, self-defensive mechanism kicks in. Jesus, in one of his parables, actually talks about, he says, man, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry what you're going to dress. Just look at the lilies of the field, the birds of the air. <laughs> if God takes care of all of them and they ain't stressing, they ain't tripping, for sure he's going to take care of you. So don't worry about these different things. They're just, you know, they're just temporal. They're small things. Don't worry. And then a great worship leader from the islands would lead us all in this song. Don't worry about a thing. Because every little thing. And that's not a verse and he wasn't a worship leader. And he was high and it wasn't the Holy Spirit high. 
Let me give you some thoughts to, to help us today. Remember this, number one, anxiety is not a sin. Anxiety itself is not a sin. I, I grew up and it was kind of like the self-imposed kind of thing where for the longest, I actually felt that people who struggle with anxiety, they just weren't very spiritual. They just weren't very mature because it's, it's kind of like the opposite of the fruit of the spirit. If the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, etc., anxiety, no, that ain't no fruit of the spirit. So if you're living in anxiety, there's probably a character flaw in you. That's how I thought. And maybe, maybe there's some sin issues. Maybe you're experiencing all that because the grace has lifted. By the way, there is no verse that says the grace lifts. Grace is not a feeling or emotion. He's a person. His name is Jesus. The grace of the Father. When it came to anxiety, I had this misconception in my mind that, man, if, if you're weak like that, something is wrong with you. And God had to teach me that anxiety itself is not even a sin. It's not a character issue. Here's the deal, though. What we do with anxiety can and does oftentimes lead us into sinning, missing the mark, missing God's standards. Anxiety alone is neutral. Fear, fear is the same. Fear itself is not a sin. How we respond to fear can lead us into sin. And there is such a thing as a spirit of fear. Anger, think of anger. Now, many of us, I'm just going to just kind of blow your theology right now. Anger is not a fruit of the spirit, but it too is not a sin. Like, man, I knew it. I've been coming to city life for a while now. Finally, there it is. Heresy 101. Gotcha, pastor. No, that's when Paul says, in your anger, do not sin. When you're experiencing those emotions, it's not so much those emotions or those symptoms. It's what we do and how we respond that will determine whether we're walking in such a way that honors God or whether we're drifting. Are you with me so far? So anxiety is not a sin. <laughs> if you're feeling a little anxious today, what else is he saying? That's actually part of how God's wired you. He's wired you and me to have these alerts on the inside of us. Anxiety is not a sin. I'll tell you what anxiety is. It's a signal. Point number two, anxiety is a signal. Kind of like in our cars. If you drive a car and all of a sudden you get a little light that pops on the, the dashboard or whatever, your screen, it might say check engine. The check engine light comes on. What does that mean? Check your engine. Or actually slow down and find out if there's a problem with the car. It could be an electrical thing. It could be an engine thing. It could be the fluids. It could be whatever. These different little warning lights themselves, they're not our enemies. And they themselves are not the issue. They're actually pointing to a potential issue. Anxiety itself is actually pointing to something else in our lives that possibly needs to be addressed. Are you with me? So God's wired us in such a way to say, warning, 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 beware. Something is happening or something could happen. Prepare to adjust the course. When you study scripture and you see time and time again, angels and prophets and Jesus himself, different ones where, where they would come and they say, fear not, don't be afraid. What is he saying? He's not telling them, you've got really bad character. You have a propensity towards sin and you're going to fear. Don't do that. It's, he, he, they realize you're about to experience something that's going to stretch you, but don't give in to fear. Don't give in to fear. Why? Because God is with you. Be strong and of good courage. When it comes to anxiety, it's a warning. 
there are certain things that might just be beyond you and you're going to have to adjust your trajectory and possibly the pace of life. It's really quiet in here, but I'm hoping that the Holy Spirit is actually ministering to people's hearts and minds. Are you, are you learning a little something today? Are you benefiting from this? This warning light is alerting, it's alerting us that, number one, it's time to pray. This warning light, when all of a sudden you start feeling this anxiousness and this anxiety and this overwhelmness, it's a, it's a warning to say, it's time to pray. It's time to go vertical. Let me show you what Jehoshaphat experienced. He gets the bad news that not only one army, but three armies are encroaching upon them, and they're up to no good. They're not here to just play racquetball with people. They're actually here to kill you. So it says this in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 5. It says, Then Jehoshaphat, he stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard, and he said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Now, God already knows that, but he's praying, and he says, aren't you the guy who's over all these different things? Then he would go on to say, verse 12, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. Left to ourselves, it's a wrap. Oh, God. And that's what he's saying. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. I like how he keeps it real. He's reminding God, aren't you the guy who did all these crazy things, all these wonderful, huge things for our ancestors? Aren't you the God that is powerful and almighty above all these different things? And he's saying, God, help. It's amazing how oftentimes he's the last one that we reach out to when we're going through difficult times. Maybe you're kind of like me and maybe you internalize things. If you're married, maybe you don't verbalize your emotions, your frustrations with your spouse. Maybe you got friends and they're like, hey, bro, how you doing? Good, bro, how are you? But really, liar, you're not good. <laughs> things aren't good. And we give these little superficial little, because honestly, it's like, this ain't the time and the place for us to be real, real. Life is going good, good. Maybe we could change that a little bit in our culture, you know what I'm saying? Or how, how, how you doing? Man, I've had better days, but I'm believing we're going to have great days ahead. In other words, I'm going through hell right now. <laughs> and, uh, and again, so it's like, man, the way I process things, like, man, sometimes it just it stays on the inside of me. And eventually I might chop it up with somebody. Hey, Keys, man, I need you. Hey, David, Isaac, somebody. And, and Elena. And, and it's like, what about going to God? What about saying, God, I, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what to do with Pastor Elena. <laughs> God, she, she's a gift from you, and I appreciate it. I just don't know how to deal with the gift right now. <laughs> I'm messing with y'all. And it's crazy because oftentimes... Maybe the way you're wired, if, if one thing confronts you, you can deal with that. It's like, you know what? That's kind of a disruption of my rhythms, my flow. But I, I've learned a little bit. I, I can deal with one, one issue. But then when it starts piling on and out of nowhere, this happens. And then this happens. Things are going good at work and all of a sudden the manager leaves and you get a new supervisor and they just, they're out to like get somebody. They're out to get you. I'm like, dude, I've been here for a while already. It's been already... 13 weeks, one quarter. 
And all of a sudden, people are, are trying to fire me. And then all of a sudden, you get a report that your kid is like, man, they're struggling at school. And you thought that they had been turning in homework. I'm not talking about you, Jaden. I love you. I'm talking about other people. You thought that the homework was being turned in. I'm messing with you. Proud of my guy working at Chick-fil-A. My man, tither in the house of the Lord. I'm not talking about you. But all of a sudden, you get these other reports. Like this kid is all of a sudden, now you're having to have parent-student or parent-teacher meetings. I'm like, bruh. <laughs> And then you get that text message, hey, babe, the water heater is out. It's electric. Just unplug it and plug it back in. It should be all right. We did that seven times already. It didn't work. Uh, and then you're all the way in Orlando for four more days, and the whole family is taking cold showers for days. And then, and then you just keep on adding. All of a sudden, you're like, you know what? Things are a little overwhelming. Things all of a sudden, I can deal with one or two, but all of a sudden, like, geez, what Jehoshaphat models and what Jesus models is this. The first thing we do is we pray. The alarm of anxiety is telling you it's going to be beyond you, so you might as well pray. You got to go up. God, would you help me? I don't know how to get myself out of this. I don't even know. Good things could happen. Maybe bad things might happen. I'm not sure what's going to play out, and I want to be prepared, but God, I trust you. Lord, even though I don't fully understand all the different elements right now and I don't understand the, the, the big picture quite yet. God, I still trust you. You've always been good. You've always been faithful. You've always been compassionate. God, my eyes are on you. I'm not going to look to my circumstances around you, God, right now. I'm just focusing on you, God. And as you have those real conversations with God, and you can ask the questions, God, why is this happening? Why am I having to go through this? God, I thought I was honoring you. God understands. And he doesn't dismiss our cries. That's why the writer, Peter, he says, cast your cares. It's not just like, hey, making an exchange. Like, dude, just dump it all. Cast your weights, your, your, your worries, your anxieties, all these different things. Cast it on him. He cares for you. He's going to look out for you. Jesus, he prayed that in the garden. Father, if there's any other way, like this is overwhelming. If there's any other way, but nevertheless, not my will, your will be done. He's going like this. You know how sometimes there's a, a tendency for us to want to go to our friends? Friends are awesome, but they're not always perfect. Friends might have good intentions, but they oftentimes don't have the answers that we need. <laughs> I think of Jesus. He's got 12 disciples. He's talking to the Father, and then he reaches out, Hey, fellas, dang, bro. Like, why are you all napping again? I'm going through hell right now. I needed you all to pray with me, and you all are taking naps. I'm not talking about some people in the audience right now. I'm talking about Jesus and his disciples. Paul would also instruct the church in Philippi. Philippi was a great church. They were faith-filled. They were extravagant with generosity. That church was just like crushing it, and he was so proud of them. When you look up the word joy or rejoice or rejoicing, you look up those words, you'll find more of those expressed in the book to Philippi, the book of Philippians, than any other book in the New Testament. So he's talking to a church that he absolutely loves, and he, that's where we get the verse, rejoice in the Lord always, bro. And again, I'm going to tell you, man, just rejoice. He writes Philippians 4, 6, and he says this, talking to the same group of people. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, not some, every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. He said, in every circumstance, include God. Go vertical, pray. And come with a heart of thankfulness. God, you're good. You don't owe me anything. Some of you are walking with a chip on your shoulder as though God owes you something. 
God doesn't owe you a thing. He's the giver of life, and he gave you a new chance, a new opportunity. He's caused you to become born again. You're now not living for yourself. You're living for him. You're playing with house money. It's not your life no more. You made that exchange. So when you go through tough times, don't be anxious, he says. Pray about everything. Elena reads books, and she listens to many different podcasts. And a few years back, she, she said, babe, you got to check out this this podcast from Dr. Carolyn Leaf. She's a, she's a brain specialist. How many of you know who I'm talking about? A few of you, right? And I'm not even gonna try to pretend to describe how amazing she is. She's brilliant. She's written books and all these different things. And she's like, she's a specialist. She's a Christian godly woman. And she's just like at the top in her field, she's just like, she's revered and super respected. She writes this, speaking of prayer and speaking of our brains. She says, it has been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period, it can change the brain to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. What she's saying is that when you pray, it actually begins to carve out new little grooves in our brain. When we pray, it changes the trajectory, some of our mindsets and the patterns of how we think as we pray and we pray consistently, not an hour a day, 12 minutes a day. And you do this consecutively for about eight weeks, when they measure brain activity, they can actually see that there are new grooves that have been developed. The brain is constantly being renewed. It can be conditioned. Paul will say this, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but, by, but be renewed by the renewing of your mind. Some of us, when we go into seasons of anxiety, what happens is this. You're in a tough place. The signal is on. Things aren't well. Things aren't okay. And then we start dwelling. So we start thinking of scenarios. And we start thinking of potential outcomes. This child is never going to come back home. This scenario, this, this situation, I'm never going to get that promotion. I'm never, I've, I was single and now I'm single again. I'm never going to be remarried. And you start rehearsing and you start thinking of all these different, my kid who's been battling this infirmity, maybe will never be sick and we're going to have to just coexist with this. And you start dwelling there and by rehearsing and repeating those thoughts again and again and again and again, it becomes a default little groove that your mind drifts to every time that you just find yourself just drifting. That's not healthy, and that's why the benefit of prayer is that actually it rewires the way we think. Counseling is good, it helps, but it's prayer that actually brings transformation of the mind and the heart. Anybody here ever drive up to South Lake Tahoe? Or maybe Lake Tahoe for that matter. You're driving up to Reno, a few of us, right? If you're driving up towards Reno, you're on 80. After you get past Boreal, the ski resort, I don't know if you've ever noticed the far right lane. Great highway, but the far right lane, it has these deep divots, these grooves, and they come from the big trucks that go up the mountain, Donner Pass, right? They're driving up, and I don't know if it's the chains or just the weight, but it, it actually forms these grooves. And unlike many cars these days where you just tap the cruise control and it stays within the lane, you know what I'm saying? You're driving, you take your hands off, like, ooh, it turned by itself, look at that, that's pretty cool. You don't even need technology on that lane. You let go of this steering wheel, all of a sudden, you're in the grooves. And you just keep your, your foot on the, on the gas pedal, and it just kind of keeps you in the grooves because it's been there for so long. That's a picture of how people think. 
there are grooves that need to be quote unquote undone and rewired so you don't constantly keep drifting over into those same unhealthy toxic places. To be set free from that, it takes intentionality, it takes prayer. All of us, we have those places. All of us left to ourselves when we're unhealthy, we can go over into those grooves and find ourselves going, man, I went through freedom retreat already. How am I going back to these old places that weren't healthy? True? I'm preaching real today. I'm just, I, hopefully I preach real every Sunday, but I'm, I'm hoping that this is ministering to somebody here. These alarms, the signal of anxiety is to say, it's time to pray. Craig Rochelle, and there's a lot of materials, a lot of the info that I'm sharing with you, I've gleaned from his teachings, etc. Craig Rochelle, pastor of Life Church, your version Bible, that church. He says this, not only does prayer touch the heart of God, but prayer, it changes the chemistry of your brain. So as you pray, it touches the heart of God, but it also brings personal transformation to our mind. Your physical brain is actually being affected by this. Second Chronicles 20, verse 13, it says, All the men of Judah then, their wives and children and the little ones, they stood there before the Lord. They prayed and they gathered together and they stood. They didn't bounce. They didn't run for the hills. Oh no, hardship is coming. Everyone bounce, ready, set, go. Now they're praying and then they stood. And that's a principle for all of us. When the anxiety, anxiety signal pops on your screen, it's time to pray and it's a time to pause. Pause. Stop trying to add to your schedule. Stop trying to charge the next mountain. Stop, stop trying to you know, start a new chapter in your life and rediscover yourself. No, it's actually time to just pause. It's not time to retreat. It's not a time to hide. But it's simply a time for us to pause and wait on the Lord. The Bible says that they that wait on the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They will run and not grow weary, walk and not faint. Psalms 46, it says, be still and know that I'm God. What is God saying? I got this. When you feel like you don't got it, God says, I still got this. So chill. Be still. Know that I'm God. So when you're finding yourself a bit overwhelmed, it's time to pray and it's time to pause. Our lives are so busy. The culture that we live in, it's just, it never ends. How do we pause? There's different ways, different things. Just kind of like, huh, take a deep breath. Assess, where are we at? No, God's, God's with me. Things are overwhelming, but his character is still flawless. His track record is still perfect. He's never failed me up until this point. Therefore, he's not going to fail me. I believe it. He's not going to fail me moving forward. I'm not sure how he's going to come through. I'm not sure how he's going to deliver victory, but I'm just going to wait on him. Second Chronicles 20, 14, it says, Then the Spirit of the Lord came to Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah. As he stood in the assembly, he said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Don't be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, it's God's. It belongs to him. Verse 17, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. What is he saying here? What are we learning? We're saying, hey, we're praying. It's time to pray. It's time to wait on God and we don't move until he tells us to. And then finally, God would use a prophet to speak to the king to says, hey, listen, don't be afraid. God's got this. Here's a strategy. Tomorrow, go ahead and go because God's going to give you the victory. That was the strategy. Some of us, we step out of God's will. 
I like to be a person that is full of faith. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing what? The word of God. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. And then we respond and we take those steps. But when we take steps, they might feel like faith and we never had a word from God. That's not faith. That's presumption. And that's what gets us in trouble. But God, I thought I did this for you. I wasn't doing it for me. I thought that this was something that would please you. And God says, I never told you to do that. So the key is to wait on him, hear his instructions, and then heal. And listen, folks, God understands what we're going through. This ain't new to him. It doesn't catch him. Oh, Holy Spirit, Jesus, let's huddle, team huddle real quick. Oh, my goodness. I was going to say, oh, my God. Oh, my, oh myself. <laughs> How are we going to figure this one out? God already knows everything. There's nothing new under the sun. So he knows exactly the strategy that we need. As we wait on him, he'll bring the download and he'll tell us what we need to do. Here's a third thought. When the signal of anxiety kicks in, the third thought is this. It's time to praise. So the first one, it's time to pray. The second one, it's time to pause. The third one, it's time to praise. Jehoshaphat, it's so amazing because the strategy that God would give them and then with the spirit of faith, I'm trying to read like, where did God say exactly have Pastor Chelsea and the worship team leaders get right in front? Jehoshaphat in faith and obedience says, this is what we're going to do. He, he instructs the worshipers to go to the front of the, of the people to fight the battle. This is how I fight my battle. And they began to worship and praise God. And what would happen then is through praise, God would actually turn enemy upon enemy. All of a sudden, they're killing each other, and these guys didn't have to draw a sword. Through worship and praise, God brought the victory. And what a recipe that is for us. What a recipe that is for us. You're going through hell. You're losing your eyesight, all kinds of pressure. You're going to doctors like, man, I don't know how, I'm, what's going on? Why is this happening to me? Through prayer, through counsel, all that, all of a sudden, you know what? I'm going to praise my way through this one. And the beauty of praising in this context is they praised before their victory. See, it's easy to praise after you've come from hell. And you're on the other side. Woo! Thank God I'm, I'm alive. Thank God I'm free. That's easy. That's easy. But when you're on this side, and it's just like, man, the crushing pressures of life are just weighing down on you. God, I don't understand why, but I'm going to choose to bless you. Bless be the name of the Lord, my God. God, you're highly exalted. And I'm going to honor you. Whether you bail me out of this or not, I'm still going to praise you. Let the fruit of my lips, the meditation of my heart, God, let it be pleasing to you. And as you're praising him, out of faith, he starts to split the Red Sea for you. I can't tell you that it's going to happen just overnight. It might take you a few days. It might take you a few weeks. It could take you a few months and even years. But as you continue to praise, God continues to hear, and he's fixing to get you through to the other side. I'm going to have Ben jump on the keys here because um, as I was preparing for this, Holy Spirit was saying, tell him, don't wait for the praise on the other side. Instruct him. Tell him to praise before and through. You've heard me say before, we pray circles around problems, but we praise through problems. We'll pray around situations, but we praise through situations. Huh. It was a few years back. 
<laughs> we were at 6th Street City Life Church. We started in Soma. God gave us a warehouse. It was a porn studio on 6th Street, 6th and Harrison, between Harrison and Folsom. We were there. God has a sense of humor. Blessed us. It was a short-term lease, and you've heard the story if you've been around for a minute. Then after three years, our lease expired. We went month to month. We ended up being there for five years. But one day we get the letter, certified mail. I hate certified mail. <laughs> no, I ain't signing nothing. Send it back. <laughs> Says you got 90 days. Here's your notice. You got 90 days to move. So we start praying. We didn't panic. David didn't panic. I might have panicked a little bit. We start praying. Our team started praying, God, you got this. You've been so faithful. Days start going by. We're looking for options. And we start exploring all the different venues in Soma, different communities. Oh, look at this place. Look at this place. Ooh, look at this place. We could bring porta potties in here. Nah, that's not going to work. We looked at all these different venues, and the clock is ticking. And then, like, with 30 days to go, we have nothing. The contractors, the construction company, already starts building next to us. And they're drilling holes right next to our office. I am literally a couple feet. We're in our office, Pastor David, Beto, myself, Elaine, and different ones. And just a few feet, like where Ben is from where I'm at right here, they're drilling massive holes. I'm like, the devil is a liar. And we don't have, we don't have the next step. We don't know what's happening next. My kids would hit me up and they're like, Dad, I'm taking Jaden and the kids to school. Like, morning guys let's have our devotionals let's pray god thank you for this thing dad did we get a building yet no not yet and then i'm like but guess what we are one day closer to our miracle yay and on the inside i'm like dang this sucks <laughs> the next day same thing did we find a building yet not yet but we're one day closer god please please I had spoken at a men's camp up in Walla Walla, Washington. Pastor Isaac's dad, pastor over the men's ministry. We're out in some cabin somewhere in the woods somewhere, worshiping God, and the worship leader starts playing a song that had not gone viral here in the U.S. yet, written by a Nigerian worship leader. And it's something about a way maker, that God makes a way. I heard that song and the Holy Spirit spoke to me, I'm going to make a way. I'm the way maker. I'm the miracle working kind of God. And all of a sudden, like, I asked the guy, like, where's this song from? He's like, hey, check out this YouTube from the gal in Nigeria. I, 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 man, I came back. It was on my playlist all day long. It became the anthem that the Lord would use. And I would sing that song as a praise. I'm actually going to invite our worship team to come, if you don't mind, Chelsea and the team. Let's just kind of audible right here, whatever, whatever we got to do. And um, <laughs> that song became a declaration for our entire church, not just myself, but our entire team. And I, I'm like, guys. I remember at a prayer meeting on 6th Street, we're praying, we're fasting. And I said, guys, we're going to praise our way through this. Miriam, who, who was the, the team lead for our fresh start, petite, sweet gal, warrior in God. She starts bouncing up and down. Miriam, so proud of you. You're a warrior. She starts bouncing up and down. And our team, we're praising for like an hour, hour, just declaring, you're the way maker. You're the promise keeper, all these different promises. And it's like, man, we praised our way. God would then eventually open the doors to this place right here. And this year, we're going to own this building. Come on, somebody. God, God would open the doors. He made a way. We praised him and we thanked him before the miracle materialized. What a powerful principle that is for all of us. If you're going through hell, 
if you're experiencing anxiety and overwhelmness, I may not have the wisdom, the strategies to help you get out of the situation, but I know one who does. My encouragement to you is go vertical, pray, pray to God, pause, pause and just slow down and then get your praise on. Start praising God. Start declaring how amazing He is. We don't tell our problems, or we don't tell God how big our problems are. We tell our problems how big our God is. And we praise and we declare who He is. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet and hopefully today more than just notes. Hopefully there was an impartation into your heart. Peter would say, cast your cares upon Him. Why? He cares for you. My brother, my sister, I don't, look, it doesn't matter how much you've screwed up. It doesn't matter how much you've messed up. If you turn to him and you bring your cares to him, can I tell you, he cares about you. We're no dummies. We're aware of our shortcomings. We, we understand that we make mistakes, but our God is still good. He's still gracious. He still cares about us. My encouragement to you, if you're watching online and I see the hearts and the, the emojis, fire hands, everything else, Jamie and Ireland, thank you all. Listen, partner with God. Praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him. Pastor Isaac, if you can grab this real quick. Praise Him. I'm going to have our team lead us out on this song. It's just a, a prophetic moment. A prophetic moment. Some of you guys, this prayer moment is the dividing of waters for you. This praise moment right here is what will set you free. It's in this praise attitude moment right here that all of a sudden as you pause and say, God, I've been trying to carry this all by myself, but God, I'm going to release it to you. If you wouldn't mind just raising your hands to heaven real quick, I'm going to pray and I'm going to have the worship team lead us out and let's worship together with them. God, in this moment right now, we just surrender to you. You know us. You see our, our, our circumstances. You understand everything about us. Father, we come and we pause right now. We go vertical. Lord, we call upon you. We call upon your name, the name that is above all names. And God, we're going to declare your praises. We're going to declare how big you are. We're going to declare how magnificent you are. You're the God of yesterday, today, and forever. You are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Your arm isn't too short that you can't say. God, I thank you that you see us. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would be glorified. Come on, worship team, let's go. We make miracle work, promise keep, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are. We make miracle work, promise keep, light in the darkness.
our eyes on you though the world around us might be spinning out of control though our hearts at times might be overwhelmed God you are the rock of our salvation and we stand upon you we stand upon your word we stand upon your promises today God we, we will not be led by our emotions or circumstances we will be led by the Spirit of God I thank you that in this moment God you're coming to help us you're coming to help us, Father God. So we surrender fully to you. We let go and we let God. We surrender fully to you. Have our hearts, God. Have our minds. Have everything about us, Lord. We surrender in the name of Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you find yourself distant from God. The Bible says anyone that calls upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. If this is something that you're saying, you know what? I'm ready to surrender my life to Jesus. I'm going to lead us in this prayer. I'm going to invite all of our uh, church congregation to repeat with me. Those online, you can repeat with me as well. Amen. Would you say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for coming after me. Today, I give you my life. I invite you to be the Lord of my life. Take control. Lead me into your perfect will. Thank you for giving me a fresh start and a new beginning. In Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. Pastor Elena is going to come and join me here. God is so good, isn't he? If you said that prayer today, or if you're going to give a clap, let's give the Lord a good one. Amen. If you said that prayer today, if you said that prayer today, the Bible says that angels are rejoicing. There's a party up in heaven. There's also a party here. We'd love to partner with you and help you. If you made that decision to surrender your life to Jesus or a rededication to Jesus, I want to encourage you on your way out, go to the Connection Center, pick up a gift. We have a little starter kit to help you get jump-started in your journey of faith. Amen. Some instructions on how to grow in your faith. And our team would love to partner with you. Everyone needs a personal coach. We'd love to help you take your, your steps of faith. Pastor Elena.